This week will mark a different kind of return to BMO Field as for the first time since October 2019, the Canadian men's national team will be back on home soil on Thursday to kick off the final round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying against Honduras. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. We could not be more excited to welcome back the national team. We'll have plenty of chat about them as we go ahead on this show. Also some incredible scenes in the Canadian Championship as well. That'll definitely get mentioned and plenty more to chat about both those things with us this week. We have one of our favorite guests and friend of the show, Alexandre Gongay-Huzik from Between the Sticks, Vancouver, will be joining us in just a few. But first, as always, Jeffrey Pinasker, Michael Singh. How you boys doing? Hello, cool cats and kittens. Mm. Mitch, happy birthday, man. Happy birthday, buddy. HB got to give you a little birthday shout out on the show. He's got a nice, nice kit just in time for it. You should show yep. off the back of that kit, Mitch. I think you should oh. do it for. He for can't. He can't get out. He's stuck. He's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> stuck. My legs are trapped. You don't even understand. <laughs> At some point, I'll reveal the what my setup yeah, looks no. like fully. But uh, yeah, Jeff. Jeff understands. Uh, it yeah. Was, no, there's uh, no way. There's no way you're ever seeing the back of that thing <laughs> to show it's the back. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It yep. is a uh, cousin Kieran Tierney uh, Scotland kit. Had to do it for the. Uh, I, c- I definitely couldn't get an Arsenal kit. Sorry, sorry, Jeff. I think you, I definitely you could understand. But I don't understand. Yeah. That's all I ever get. But uh, it's looking. <laughs> your kit's looking a lot less shiny than it did in the initial picture. It looked like a sheer shiny silk kit. So this one, it's looking more like a kit. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I took a bad picture of it <laughs> the first time I was showing everyone. And everyone was like, uh, uh, yeah. I think it sucks, but no, actually, it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realistically, uh, though, Mitch, that should have been a Canada kit. Come on, realistically. Week. I know. Yeah. I know. Big yeah. week, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure Mitch certainly. has about a thousand Canada kits, so he's sorted, right? <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're not worried about stuff to wear on, on Thursday, I think. No, so no, it's go. gonna be picking in between. Might have to bring out the Canada soccer bucket hat. I think that'll be a oh wow, be a look down at BMO on on Thursday. Twenty nineteen so. vibes, oh, wow. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vibes. Nice. Uh, yeah. Where are you guys gonna be? Where are you guys sitting? Uh, I'm in one seventeen. Yeah, I, same uh, with I me, wanted so. to be close to the cider bar because I, I, oh, I just realized nice. it existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think I'm in one thirteen for the other one. I wanted to do both sides. Uh, but I think it was also targeted of what, what seats I could get. So The website, you, under, Thunder just saying in the chat, the website doesn't have the podcast page up. I happen to see the YouTube feed come up. Yeah, that's my bad, guys. Mm. Kind of dropped the ball on posting the podcast on the site, but I will I will get it up there after. So appreciate you uh, searching for us, Thunder. Spread the word, man. Spread the word. Do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> and we promise we won't let it happen again. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, true enough, true enough. Um, Mitch, I, I've I've got my finger on this uh, on this uh, this image here. So you want to do your plugin? All right, let's do it. Well, obviously, a lot of exciting things this week, but one of them certainly near and dear to me, of course, is Darby Mag issue one, which uh, which just dropped. Pre-orders have been extended for today as well. Um, so if you haven't picked up your magazine yet, go over and grab it for sure. That cover right there. Beautiful cover featuring the Ensa brothers of York United. Um, they were fo- photographed by the incredible Montreal-based photographer 94, and there's some incredible other images in there as well, and a lot of uh, WTR content in uh, in this one. We've got uh, Benedict Rhodes has a piece, Brady Reed has a piece as well, and today's guest Alex Gonke-Kluzik has a 
has an article on on Vancouver and, and a deep dive on on that soccer scene. So definitely won't want to want want to miss out on that. So like I said, go over to darbymag.com slash shop, get your copy. We also have a special launch event in Toronto on Friday. So if any of you guys can can make it out to that, that'd be amazing to to see you guys. You can hit up the Darby Mag socials and and find out more about that. Um, yeah, Jeff and I will will both be in attendance. So we'll we'll see you there for for sure. And um yeah speaking of things jeff and i will be in attendance at like we said bmo field thursday canada opening up against honduras i think we actually have our our guests ready to go here so we can let's do get it into that game uh let's do it that game immediately yeah let's uh let's you know bring on have Alex. we have we mentioned the elephant in the room once in that intro i'm so proud of us guys i don't think we've mentioned the the team that plays at bmo regularly once in that intro so yay <laughs> Well, uh, we don't usually talk about the Argonauts on this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> but yeah, now joined by Alex Gongay-Kluzik of uh, Between the Six Vancouver. Alex, amazing to have you on. Very excited for, for this week ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, there's so much to talk about, so it's great just to yeah, be able to chat yeah. about that. There's been a fair few things, and I mean, before we start, I'll... A little birdie told me it was your birthday uh, today, Mitch, or uh, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. So happy birthday to you, Mitch. Pretty pleasure to, to to join you guys. I'm excited. We got so much to talk about. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. coincidence you have that Pacific jersey in the background. Hey? <laughs> no, no coincidence. You know, I plant the decor to, to kind of suit what's going on. So did I think, you uh, did I mean, you trade in a Vancouver Whitecaps jersey for it? That's the million Ooh, dollar question. question. Ooh, Sources question. cannot confirm nor deny that one. <laughs> <laughs> I may have sent in a, a Whitecaps kit to one of my uh, pals who is in attendance to. Uh, amazing. Kid, but, amazing. You know. <laughs> I like. I it. love that I they're like still it. doing that. That's because we were wondering if that was still going on. Like, if it was just a precursor to the game, and now that they have their superiority, they would abandon that that scheme. But I'm glad that they ain't because that's fantastic. Yep. I mean, yeah, as you saw, they, they they deserve yeah. it after after that game. I mean, it, absolutely. What a night! What a night! What a night! What a night. Uh, I got questions about that, but Mitchell's going to lead us off with uh, a big. Big old general question, right, Mitch? <laughs> of course, as I do. Well, obviously, a lot of things going on this week, but the biggest one for for all of us is, of course, the World Cup qualifying for Canada, and uh, obviously a big week. You know, they start against Honduras. They've got the United States away on Sunday, and then El Salvador as well. How big is this first month for Canada in terms of you know? Obviously, you want to start well and set the tone, but two home games against teams that they're pretty much directly competing for, for, you know, that maybe that third spot in the region. How big is this week? I think this is a massive week uh, in, in a competition like this, you can't really dip your toes in the water as much as you'd like to, but compared to another, some other teams, they are getting to tip, dip their toes into the water a bit by playing two games at home uh, against mm-hmm. Honduras and El Salvador, two very beatable teams at home on paper. I mean, for example, just if you look at the the direct neighbors to the south, they have to open well with El Salvador away, and they have to open with some tough games. So I think if, if you had to pick three opening games, you take U.S. away, and then El Salvador and on two, Honduras home, you can get six points there easily, heck, maybe even seven if you steal one away from the U.S. Uh, anywhere from, from there, and then that's good because the magic number for this is just – getting half of the points available and uh, from 14 games 
you want to win seven of your games. That's 21 points. And if you come out with six of, of nine winning all your home games, you're set heading into the, the tougher windows that, that lie ahead. So I think this, this week's massive because it can kind of get off to a good start and, and really give them the belief that they can qualify for the World Cup. And the stronger the belief gets, the better the fan support gets the more the players believe it's going to create a, a, a good, I guess, you know, concoction of, of, of a storm that might allow them to, to qualify for that World Cup. Yeah, Jeff, before you get into your question, I just have a quick follow-up to that. Mitch sure. touched on it, but Alex, what are the teams that Canada, you know, we know about the U.S., we know about Mexico, but what are the teams that Canada are also, like, really competing with for that third and fourth spots there in the CONCACAF region? I think it's Jamaica. I think Jamaica is a really, really solid team, especially when they're able to call up some of the guys they want, some of the guys that <laughs> see a bit of confusion with what's going on over in Jamaica with the the whole federation and, and whatnot. If not, Costa Rica is still a very formidable side, although as we saw at the Gold Cup, they are a beatable team now, one that Canada can uh, uh, compete with. I think El Salvador, Honduras, Panama, you can't count those teams out. I think Panama has impressed me a lot this summer. I thought Personally, they were a bit old. I thought they were a bit washed after the last cycle, but they've found some youth. They they play good attacking football now, and you can't discount that. Ditto with can't discount Salvador. Armando Cooper. You can't you can't, <laughs> can't discount those sort of wild cards that Panama has. Pedigree. Then, yep, yep. Cool. MLS Cup champion Armando Cooper right there. <laughs> you know, DP material. Too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got uh, El Salvador as well. A similar boat again. I thought. A year ago that I thought they were finished, uh, a team that really wasn't going anywhere. They hire a new coach. They bring in a bunch of dual nationals. All of a sudden, they look like a, a whole new team. And and Honduras, I mean, when, when you play at San Pedro Sula, you're always going to have an advantage if you're Honduras. So there's a lot. There's no team here that can really look in the mirror and say, we're out of this. But if I'm going to focus on two, I think Jamaica and Costa Rica are the two kind of really need to watch out for. Uh, for the third, fourth place teams. I think the other teams I mentioned are more banana peel teams, teams that you can slip up against, but realistically Canada should win at home and realistically even grab a point or three away from. But if you can beat Jamaica, Costa Rica, that would send a message to the rest of the region that you are a top three team. This is, those are the teams that right now have been the top three teams behind Mexico and the U.S., and they need to, to prove that by beating them. There's no reason it can't be Canada, but go there's ahead. No, there's there's absolutely there's no reason, reason it should be. Shouldn't you be. raised an interesting point. Have we, because you said we need to prove to these guys that we can beat them. And I'm under the impression that we've already proven that. So they're running scared. Um, you know, Jamaica is interesting because we, I, for anybody that doesn't know, they're having a real problem getting their players uh, called up for, for various reasons. Quite a few of them play in England and uh, England's had a, a kibosh on international call-ups. Um, do you still think that they're a team that can do damage in this, in this World Cup qualification, at least this early round? Or do you think that, that they're going to suffer mightily for, for lack, of, uh, lack of people on the roster that they wanted? They've got Kamar Lawrence, man. Come on. <laughs> and Whitecaps Jervane Brown now he's been on yeah. up, so there's an MLS contingent but I think with Jamaica it, it, it'll be interesting to see who they can pull because especially there's so much there's that strong like Jamaican English 
uh, exactly. you know, links. You see some of those players linked. Like if a guy like Michael Antonio ends mm-hmm. up playing for Jamaica, like that's a game changer. He'd be one of yeah. the top strikers in the region without a doubt. And there's mm-hmm. a few other names you see, like is, is Mason Greenwood really going to commit? There's some of those guys like a, a Mason Holgate at the back. That would be a game changer. But, you know, I'm not going to talk. Sorry, about wait, him. did you mention Mason Greenwood? I've seen reports out there that he's no. supposedly be eligible. So that's what I mean. No. Some of the guys with Jamaican descent in England, it's it's ridiculous. That's so if any of these guys would, would, would yeah. commit, yeah. But focusing just on the guys they have, even a guy like Leon Bailey is is an explosive, you know, prospect on his own. He now yeah. made his big move to Eng- England over, over from Leverkusen. Always been a fantastic player. They've got wild cards like that in their in their roster and. Just looking at the talent level, I think they've they've got the talent already. I think mm-hmm. at times coaching has been an issue, but I think they're they're finding a bit of stability there. And I also think they do have a pretty good home field advantage amongst teams in Concacaf. Uh, they kind of got that Caribbean, you know, environment, hot environment, good fans. It's it's not an easy place to play in, and people kind of forget that. I guess in their minds they think, okay, it's Jamaica. It's kind of a relaxing place. No, it's hot. They kind mm-hmm. of plant on the island there. The fans are very passionate. And I think there, there's a reason why Jamaica's become a top team in the region. We can't forget that they've made countless Gold Cup finals and they, they, they've, they've made plenty of noise. Heck, I think at the Gold Cup this summer, they outplayed the U.S. thoroughly and the U.S. just yeah. won with the, the, the late goal. And no yeah, matter. And that was a messy Jamaica side. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And they're missing players, as you mentioned. So I think Jamaica is absolutely the, the sort of wild card that. I guess you look at them and you get a bit complacent and that's the most dangerous part about them because they're a team that you can't afford to be complacent about because arguably in the past five years, they've been the number three team. They've passed a yep. team like a, a Costa Rica and they've, 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 they've been above them. So I, I'm, I'm 100% wary of what Jamaica can do. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. What what other teams do you think we we uh, we maybe are sleeping on? You, you said Costa Rica and, and we beat those veterans soundly. Do you think that they've got a chip on their shoulder now the next time they face us? I think that always that factors in, especially with a Canadian B team. I think that they're going to take that personally. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to stop an Alfonso Davies, a Jonathan David, but to be fair to them, there's not many teams in the region that will. So I think mm-hmm. Costa Rica, it's kind of, they, they kind of give me that Panama vibes from the last cycle, a team that they might be counted out because they're an older team and all of a sudden they might just scrape through because they know what it takes to win. So yeah, I certainly yeah, won't discount point. that, but the, the team I'm watching out for is El Salvador. Cause again, wow. like I mentioned a year or two ago in my eyes, I watched them struggle against Montserrat, a country with barely 5,000 people. And then I watched them at the gold cup and they were playing legit, you know, footy. They gave Mexico a run for their money. They gave some other good teams a run for their money. And, I just look at some of those sneaky good comments, like a, a guy like a, an Alex Roldan, for example. That's a very yeah. sneaky good pickup. He can play fullback. He can play in midfield. And there's a, a whole swath of other ones. There's a, a striker. I don't want, want to butcher his name because I don't remember it off the top of my head, but he's oh, playing. Eric Zavaleta. I was going to say I forget who I was talking to the other week, but someone mentioned Zavaleta, and I'm like, Honestly, if, if for, for Toronto FC right now, if they could convince them to wear an El Salvador kit on the <laughs> serious Toronto FC yeah. for seriously for serious, it's yeah, kind of like yeah, that Victor yeah. Lindelof Sweden kind of vibe. Because when Victor Lindelof, I'm a United fan, so when Victor Lindelof plays for Sweden, this guy looks like an absolute baller. Like he's he's forced into a situation where he has to step up and be the guy, 
And it's sort of the same way with Eric Zavaleta at the back. Like he's forced to be a leader at the back, but he doesn't really have that pull with TFC. And I wonder if that kind of plays a factor where you're kind of raising your game because of your the your camaraderie around you. I wonder if that plays into it a bit. International Granite Jaka is my favorite player that <laughs> plays for Arsenal, and we've never ever seen him on the pitch. Blonde International Granite Jaka is amazing. Completely different Granite game, Jaka, eh? I don't even understand. Like I, they're not the same person. So uh, it's not just a Man United thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, El Salvador is an interesting shout. Uh, conversely, what team do you think are minnows that we don't need to be worried about at all? Ooh, the minnows question. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, again, I think as the Gold Cup kind of showed, uh, in terms of, of talent, Costa Rica shouldn't put the same fear in you as it did three, four, five years ago. So I'd say that's gotcha. certainly a minnow. Um, I think Panama, uh, they can score, but also their defense was a tire fire. I think that you just look at some of the scores from their games in the Gold Cup. There was like 3-3, 4-3, three, three, three. Uh, you know, just some ridiculous scores. They didn't make yeah. it out of their group. Uh, I think a, a team like Panama for... Because if you're Canada, you can you can outscore pretty much anyone in the region. Yep. I don't think there's a team you look at that you cannot score two goals against. And I think you can include Mexico in that. I think Canada, yep. the fact with the B team at the Gold Cup, they got a nice goal against Mexico. They should have, frankly, had more. Now you've got Alfonso Davies. You've got your your Jonathan Davids. You have a fit Kyle Lahren, who we forget, you know, left the yep. Gold Cup with an injury. Tejon and Buchanan. Kava, who's who's not fit, but is going to be there, right? Please yeah. screen yeah. Tejon Buchanan's name because he's yeah. going to continue yeah. to dominate. I, I'm predicting dominate. It My God, he's in his form right now is absurd. So you look at those four names. Canada's mm-hmm. going to score goals, and against a Panama team that leaks goals, no matter who they're playing against. Okay, I think Canada. If anything, that's a game that if you're Canada, you're targeting for the away game because just kind of to go back to what I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, that magic target of 21 points. You get it by winning all seven of your home games, but that's easier said than done. You have to play Mexico at home. You have to play U.S. at home. There's a very strong possibility you draw, you lose one of those games. Sure. You never know. But that means you have to go on the road and, and pick up points. And, okay, it's not necessarily realistic to say go out and win in Honduras yet. I mean, they might prove us wrong, and that's the whole point of this This qualifiers to prove that this oh, that'll be, is legit. Yeah, that's, that's gonna <laughs> but be I'm good. not going to sit yeah. here and say, you guys need to go win in Honduras. Because yeah, yeah. until it's happened, and there's, there's yeah. been a lot of good teams that have gone down there and failed. So I look at a team like Panama, just with how loose they are defensively. Canada could go down there, snatch a few goals, pick up three points. All of a sudden, you're well on your way to, to helping yeah. yourself get into the World Cup qualifiers, get past that kind of magic number of 21 points. So I'm, I'm, I'm so looking excited. at Panama as a potential team <laughs> that they could uh, get, yeah. get get a road win against and, and get the six points off of and put them on their way to, to that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make a bold prediction here. Completely irrelevant to what you just said, but I will circle back <laughs> to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Tejan Buchanan, by the end of this, I don't, I don't want to say window, like this, this September to October window, Mm-hmm. I think fans will start to put him in the same category as Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, if they're not already. If they haven't already, yeah. I think they, they will already. do that because he is on that sort of trajectory, and I honestly believe he, he's, he's right there um, to potentially be like in that sort of echelon. Obviously, you know, Alfonso Davies is considered potentially the best left back in the world. I wouldn't put Tejan Buchanan there, but just as that part of that big three, let's call it. We see here all the time in basketball, but I think Tejan will cement himself in that category. But Alex, circling back to what you kind of just touched on, John Herman has talked about it. Seven games at home, 
he wants 21 points. He wants to win every single match at home. What's your prediction there? Is that realistic? Can Canada really do that? Yeah, and I mean, quickly, just to amend what you said, I think it's a big five. Don't discount Stefan Ustaki or Kyle Laren based on how they yeah. played this year. So I'll just mm-hmm. throw that out there. Buchanan can join, certainly. But as for Junior Hoylet, I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll and Mitch, with the Mitch is going to melt so if you don't go. say Sam Piet. It's his birthday. You got to you gotta throw it to Sammy P. So. But uh, as for the, the qualifiers, I think it's realistic at home. I think at, at home... If you look, Canada actually hasn't lost a home game. I think it's almost five or six years. They've actually done really well at home. They beat teams like the U.S. at home. Some other, I think they've also they've drawn or beat a Jamaica. They beat a Curacao. They've beat some good teams at, at home in, in recent years. And you just look, mm-hmm. it, it, they, they've got great facilities that just kind of are conducive to how they play. You look at BMO Field with the grass, the, the kind of environment there. They like that. If not in Vancouver, they've shown to be pretty good on the turf uh, there. Those are two probably the two main facilities we'll, we'll see for them there. They look to be comfortable in them. They don't mind playing there. A lot of the players are familiar. I think there's no reason why they can't go with, uh, get 21 points at home yep. based on what they've uh, shown. It's really going to be all about the road uh, for me because that, that, that's the game changer. I think Canada easily say, say 15 points are achievable at home. I think that, that there's no reason why they can't go out and beat Panama, Jamaica, Honduras, El Salvador, uh, those five, but it's really yeah. the U.S. and Mexico. Okay, you slip up against them. How is Canada going to do on the road? And I think that that for me is the the most fascinating development. I think especially this year, they haven't played a home game all year. Every game has been on the road, and they've shown sure. some some impressive poise. I think that that win one nil away against Haiti. That's the exact sort of fight and and determination they're going to need to beat an El Salvador away. So I think Herdman. Yeah. To Herdman's assessment of the team being able to win 21 points at home, very fair, very fair. I think if they can do that, power to them because then they all they need is one or two points on the road out of a possible, you know, 21, and that's a, that's a lot more that's doable us. than say Sorted. six or yeah. nine or, or 12. So I, I like Herdman's confidence, and I certainly believe that. But uh, I, my, for me, I think really it's the road games. I think whoever looking at the eight teams in this, uh, this Octo, this Ocho, I'm sticking with the Octo for now. I am curious what you guys are thoughts on. Ocho Never Ocho. Ocho's, yeah, Ocho's, Ocho's terrible. Way, yeah. Octo. Octo's the one. Ocho. Good to know nah. we're on the same page yeah. there. So yeah, exactly. In the Octo, um, I, it's really whatever teams do the best on the road. I think we're going to see some surprises because if there's say a team like a, at the bottom, you know, one of the supposed bottom, if a Honduras goes on a road bender, all of a sudden, they might be in a World Cup qualifier spot because yep. every yep. team in CONCACAF is comfortable at home and they should win their home games. And it's really, for me, Herdman should hope. I think he is. I think it's more for 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 talking points. We want to be winning at home, of course. You want to get fans out. You want to get you know, you want to get your fifteen thousand at BMO right now. And then when numbers go up in other stadiums, you want to get thirty thousand at BMO. You want to get fifty five thousand at BC Place. You want to get those Holy numbers crap. up, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's crazy numbers. But uh, <laughs> for me, the road games are the ones that, that actually might matter most. And I think there, Canada, if they can shoot for a six, nine points, their qualification be, should be sorted pretty easily. So, uh, and then that's realistic. Fantastic. I think that's very realistic based on what they've shown the past few years. I love Fantastic. the term roadbender. I'm definitely using that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> De- roadbender. Roadbender's a good one. I'm going to roadbender yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roadbender. Road um, um, do we yeah, want to well, get into furious detail, or do we want to switch gears and talk about uh, that night at Starlight under the Starlight? 
Well, I think we should talk at least while we have Alex a bit about the Whitecaps in general because there's yeah. a lot going on there. I think probably start with MDS and you know the the situation there. What what you know was it just that match or what fueled the the decision to let him go? Because it did seem like the Whitecaps were actually and are actually headed in a, a decent direction here. You know, you've seen Ryan Gold come in and and really be. Uh, a difference maker for them. Uh, some of their other new signings have have worked out well. So, what what was it that you know they decided that it wasn't MDS who was the guy to to lead this club forward into this next step? Boy, it's a tough one because I mean, I think if you talk to most people who watch the Whitecaps the past few years, they've thought this move was coming at some point. And you know, there were certain times you wondered, was this the time? Was this the time? Yeah. And ironically, this was one of the times where it felt like no one thought it was coming. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. it was just it's the timing of the move that that that's so awful. I think if you look at the Whitecaps game at the first game after, obviously they're playing a very disjointed Salt Lake game, a team. Yeah. Sorry. They looked phenomenal, and it shows they've got the talent in their in this roster. I, I think they've they can play nice football. It's just it, it, it feels kind of almost unfair to Mark DeSantos with his contract expiring at the end of the year, just not to let him give him a run out with this team, a team that he finally got after two and a half years, and see yeah. what he can do with it and go from there. And it's like I think I I, I threw this out on our, our podcast at Third Sub. We were talking about it the other day. The beautiful thing about Mark DeSantos's contract situation is if you guys, if you're up there in the front office and you don't like him, you you don't you want to get rid of him. His contract was up. You could go out if he wins a chip and you don't like how he's playing, you can get rid of him. But yeah. whereas now you, you you get get rid of him a few months early, there's pressure on them because they they're in a playoff spot right now. They're they're a playoff yeah, right. or tied for a playoff spot. If the the, the their, their form drops and they tank and they miss the playoffs. Then you wonder why not just let Mark DeSantos run out the season at that point? Did was it really necessary to make a change and bring in a new face who wasn't the the right option? I, but controversially, what I think they're relying on, and it's a risky gamble on their uh, on the, the 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 part of the the front office is you go on a bit of a bender or a heater. I guess the wrong word, the bender is the wrong yeah, word. Yeah. You go on a bit of no a bender. Heater. It's all bender. You're on the show, baby. But you go on a bit of a heater and then you make the mm. playoffs, you look like geniuses. Oh, maybe it was Mark DeSantos. You have yeah. the roster. And it just feels like ta- looking at the Whitecaps and talking to some of the, the people who work there, someone like Axel Schuster, CEO of Sporting Director, he's made a lot of great decisions ever since he's come in. Some of the signings he's made phenomenal you know, you look at your not only a Ryan Gold who he waited a little longer than most people would have liked, but look how good he's been. It's been the right yeah, choice. So good. But mm-hmm. Not just Gold. You look at a Daniel Bikel, a Christian Dahomey, you know, some of these other players that have kind of rounded out the roster have all been fantastic. And but one thing that struck us about Schuster is he's a long term guy. He's a guy that looks on the future. And this Mark DeSantos firing, while there are some long term implications. This was felt really much like a move in the reaction to here and now. Yeah, and could total knee jerk. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That it came from maybe above Schuster, the you know some of the hmm. owners, and I think it's not a, a bad move in the long term. And I think we kind of got a taste of that because I think the Whitecaps will kind of find a bit of new life with the talent they have, but uh, it just didn't feel like the right move at the time, and it feels like a move that it's very short-term thinking. And I think for a Whitecaps team that has finally started to get a bit of stability and start thinking with the the eye on the longer term, knowing that that sort of influence, that short-term influence could still be in there, could be a bit of a, you know, a dangerous thing going forward, knowing that if things go wrong, short-term thinking might take over and, that, and that's dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. Yeah, I, and I think, I think we're in for the same sort of thing. 
uh, following have, a, uh, a match with Destiny and, and a team that plays in green and blue in a couple of weeks. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to um, say I just mean, quickly, Jeff, mm -hmm. must have been a reaction to seeing what's going on around MLS. Because for whatever reason, when someone let, is let go at head coach, it, there's a spark from your team. We saw it with TFC. Yeah, the new coach. When TFC comes, yeah. first, you know, let go of, of Chris Armas, Javier Perez stepped in, and the team, they stepped up. I mean, they played the New England Revolution off the park in their first match, and then they went on a little bit of an undefeated streak, right? They, they I think they went up to five games undefeated. And when Javier Perez started, you look around to Atlanta United, let go of their head coach, and look what's happened there. Maybe he's just seeing what's going on, and like <laughs> this team needs a spark. They need that push over the playoff line, and you know, look what happened to Vancouver against Real Salt Lake. So we'll see, we'll see. He was also on a temporary coach. Not always. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I will caution yeah. though; it's not always. Uh, it doesn't always last. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you sugarcoated the five undefeated run that we all remember as the most frustrating one-one draws in the history <laughs> of, of yeah. the franchise. So. So, so yeah, I mean, and boy, do I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, MDS, M MDS is, I I'm a fan. I know you are on a personal level. Um, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Unfortunately, I, I think in macro, you can't go out to a seat. You can't be the first MLS side to go out two years in a row, regardless of the COVID asterisks to, uh, to a CPL club. I think that, that he had to wear that um, from the top down. I, I think that that didn't look good on on any reports, and someone's head had to roll. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know if you said this to me actually, but I, you were saying that, or someone was saying to me that you guys were suffering the same one-one draw situation with the White Caps, and that that seemed to hold the guillotine from fully extending over over MDS and 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 the rest of his assistants' heads because they were still incrementally making moves up the table and holding on to their spot. Um, I, I mean, listen, this, this in a roundabout way gets to my question because I like, honestly, that game against Pacific at, at Starlight feels epochal to me. Um, it feels epochal in a way that the Canadian championship has never, ever felt before. It feels epochal in, in the tweets that I've retweeted and the YouTube comments from casual soccer fans on the West Coast that are now maybe switched on to be hardcore soccer super fans. Um, what's this what what's next? I mean, do you one, do you agree with me how epochal it was? And and you know, what is the sky the limit now? What what will be the knock-on effect? Like will will we see a huge uh exodus of Vancouver Whitecaps fans following Pacific now? Will we see kind of the the dual nationals of or, or we'll just see a huge bump for both teams with respect to attendance and and, and market uh, penetration oh boy i mean it's kind of interesting so there's a lot of people who wear two hats in, in bc in terms of okay you want to support pacific and you want to support uh, the white caps and it was interesting to note that there were a lot of vancouver people that i know that i saw online who went over to the game and you wondered okay how in my head, I'm expecting dueling fans. I'm expecting 1,000 Whitecaps fans, a lot of Pacific fans. And to be honest, the Whitecaps supporter section, there was 30 people. It was mm. they, they were shunted into the beer garden, and they were they filled one line across the, the, the fence. And I thought, and I mean, their support is always great. The Whitecaps, you know, they do. The one thing is they, they tend to travel pretty well to these sorts of away Absolutely. games. Absolutely. But a lot of what we saw was a lot of hardcore, heck, Southsiders, like supporters of the Whitecaps, not just fans, supporters 
going out for Pacific. They got, they have kits they wanted to, and they decided to, to support Pacific. And I think wow. it made for a, a memorable atmosphere because the official starlight capacity is 5,000. The official attendance was 4,997. So just three short of a wow. sellout. It was, you know, it, it was yeah. loud. Cause it was, I, I, it looked stacked to the rafters, like filled to the walls, man. It was, there yeah. was rarely an empty seat. The beer garden was packed behind both goals. And I went to Starlight the first game. Of course, after Alex knew where the beer garden year. was. Of course, he was eyeing the beer garden. <laughs> I'm just keeping you know, a beer garden. Lots of storyline. Road bender, yeah. <laughs> Another bender. <laughs> I don't know what the game was like. I was in line at the beer garden the entire time. <laughs> All game, just, just loving yeah. up on some good uh, Vancouver Islanders. But uh, on a more serious <laughs> note, I guess, yeah, because I went to the first game at Starlight after uh, the, the bubble. And it was, I yeah. think the official attendance was 2,500 or 3,000. The place was loud. It was rocking. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, the way they've kind of framed it, it's really like a European closed door it's stadium. It's beautiful. I love it. I love Noise it. And I've never there. been there yet. Yeah. Uh, and you could probably hear it on the TV. Noise sticks okay. there. So when there was 5,000, it was loud. And and what, mm-hmm. in credit to Pacific, what, what the, the best part for me about this victory, this wasn't a case of Pacific going out there playing like an inferior team putting nine guys behind the ball, snatching snatching a goal, and you win one nothing, And it's, okay, you've beat the Whitecaps. They helped play the Whitecaps. They they played the Whitecaps off the park from, yep. I don't know if it was evident on, on one soccer for, for those who were watching, but in person, Pacific was just, they were passing the ball almost crisper. They were, they, were, they were making better runs. They were tackling harder. They were just feeding off the energy, and it just felt like everything they were going to do would come off, whereas with the yep. Whitecaps, it just felt like, they were kind of almost forcing things. And even you look at their first goal when they went down 1-0, it was kind of off of a bit of an error from Pacific and then obviously a quality of Ryan Gold to capitalize. But it didn't yeah. feel like other than Ryan Gold's quality, the Whitecaps had a whole lot going for them that, that night, whereas it felt like Absolutely. everything Pacific would do. The fan, And plus it was just it was mesmerizing because Pacific would – just with how they play, they 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 just get, when they get going, they just launch into these patterns. Every time they launch into an attacking pattern, the crowd would roar, and then it was kind of almost like the, this mesmerizing moment because you could see yeah. Pacific instead of shrink in front of the the big occasion. You know, they they have every reason to. These guys are playing. You know, they have no pressure on them in a sense, but they have all the pressure. They have all the fans watching. Everyone across the country, they're playing a Whitecaps team. They're not expected to to beat on paper because. I mean, yes, for those who know the Whitecaps, no one was surprised by Pacific winning. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. But you can't ignore the fact that a guy like Ryan Gold, his salary is worth more than the entire budget <laughs> operations of Pacific FC like five times over. Like you can't ignore mm-hmm. a stat, a, a numbers like that. And yet Pacific didn't shrink. They, they rose to the occasion. And that was memorable because it showed that not only teams from CPL can beat MLS. That's, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a surprise. And in cup yeah. football, you see it all the time. Anything can Yeah, happen. of course. But that they can play with uh, an inferiority complex and play with, with, with the sort of level that it takes to not only beat an MLS team, but dominate them to show them that they're legit. That was what for me was so me- like memorable about that. Looking back at the game that you witnessed, yeah. it was a dominating uh, you know performance more dominating than the 4-3 scoreline indicates i think that's more down to the white caps quality that it was even that close and it was just so memorable to see all the fans because i know i have a few fan, uh, friends of my own who who are soccer fans who don't necessarily always get out to white caps or pacific games and they yeah, yeah, yeah. After, they were like wow what yeah. a night like 
Pacific. What fan, an introduction you know, to football. Fan. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. For anyone who who made that jump, it's hard to not be romantic about what that event was. And that's what was so special about it. Yeah. The can champ is, I mean, quite, quite uh, subtly has become so bloody important to this country and it's only going to get more and more important. I mean, these are, these are the stories that we crave, you know, these, these, these are the, these are the experiences that remind us of, of how we got bit by the bug of the beautiful game. Right. So it was so wonderful to see it uh, uh, in that stadium. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm still, co- we're, I'm still coasting on a high from it. Um, yeah. I mean, I can, I can totally change the subject, but if anybody's got a follow up, <laughs> now's the time. Well, I just wanted to, I'm going to steal Mitch's question because I, I really want to hear about this. I, I, I think we needed to get it in because, um, <laughs> you know, we've been seeing him all over social media. We've been seeing you guys talk about him. But just tell us a little bit about Ryan Gold and, and what, what makes him, I guess in Mitch's words, an absolute game breaker for this Vancouver Whitecaps team. Sausage Wait, rolls I'm, and I'm iron brew. This- I'm wearing the Scotland jersey, and you're stealing that question. <laughs> <laughs> right after his birthday, too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Happy birthday. No remorse here. No remorse here. No mercy. No, wow. I mean, Ryan Gold. It's it's a good question because I mean, thank you. What what is Ryan Gold? Uh, you know, credit to both of you for that one. But it's, what is Ryan <laughs> Ryan Gold? You look at him. It's it's something we were talking about even with with some other people uh, the other day. You look at him. He doesn't necessarily scream like a professional footballer. He just looks like your average dude who you might have, you know, found on the street. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest hmm. guy. But you just watch him on the field. The field is just, it, it's his. He knows everything that's going on. And you can just see what the sort of goals he's scoring, sort of chances he's creating. He just knows where everyone on, on the field is. There's a reason why he scored three headers, for example, even though he's 5'7 in, 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 in three games or whatever it is. He just has this knack for showing up in the right pockets. He just yep. he, he 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 has this instinct to to kind of get into to, to areas right at the right time, and and because of that, it's got the team playing with such confidence because they know that when he's on the ball, when he's kind of marshalling things, that the team is going to flow and they're going to get the ball. And they, he's almost given this team a, a confidence, and you can just yep. see the quality that he uses. I mean, he's got a fantastic left foot. Uh, you see it with this set piece delivery. I don't think he's missed a corner, to be honest, since he's come in. I think every corner he has has at least always been in the dangerous area, if not always getting on the head of a, of a white cap. You see that with his his runs he he, he makes the, when he gets on the ball. He can kind of play as a number 10, but also I like that he shows up in the box like a number 9 and kind of adds that influence. And I think it's just really his IQ. It, 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 that's yeah. the biggest part of his game. He's a true number 10 in every sense of the world and when you pair that with the quality that he has it's going to be fantastic because for me what's that you know what's most notable about him i think looking at him right now he's playing at 60 70 percent like he's not probably up the full fitness he gasses out easily yet just with his pure quality and, and, and his brain power you've seen the stats i think he's played just a hair over 300 minutes or just under if i'm not mistaken wow. he has four goals and arguably it could have been Stupid. five, but apparently Brian White's goal went in and before. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it is yeah, four yeah. officially, could be five, depending on your view of it. He has mm. two straight primary assists, one secondary assist, one assist of an own goal because his corner delivery bounced off someone went in. He's also won a penalty. I think uh, I was looking, nine of the last 11 goals have been directly involved in some way by, by Ryan Gold uh, creating or creating the secondary assist. It's just... 
it, it's mind boggling because he's I think in three weeks we're going to see the best version of him because he said it himself every time you ask him he is not fit yet he is still working up to to full fitness full sharpness and that's scary that, that's scary and it really it, it's good for the white caps because I think they had the sort of talent the fact that Christian Dahomey before his little injury, I think about a month ago, was top five in MLS goal scoring despite playing on a team that had next to no chance creation and service shows True that enough. he's a great player. A guy yep. like Lucas Cavallini has shown to be a very good goal scorer when he has the service, and he hasn't even played with Ryan Gold yet. Heck, Brian White's on a heater with three goals in three games yet. You he's, know, on he's on a bender. He's on a bender. He's on a bender despite everyone in Vancouver – you know, they're not necessarily – Brian White's had a very mixed reception, yet he has three goals in three games. Yep. Mostly down to the quality of, of service of a guy like Ryan Gold. And it shows you what having a player like that can do to your team because not only does he bring his skills, but he's making everyone around him better. And I love how politically correct you were there. He's had a mixed reception. You could say, <laughs> Alex, he's been he's been under, underperforming, let's say. Well, <laughs> you know, Ryan, I'll, I'll be honest with Brian White. He's not underperforming just because he's doing good things. Like, he's an unselfish player. He does good hold-up play. I think he there's a reason why he's fitting well with Gold, and I'm curious to see if Cavallini can do the same. He's an unselfish mm. player, but you also can't ignore the fact that Brian White's touch gives me a headache every, you know, most of the time <laughs> I watch him play. And just L- some, listen, sometimes, little things like that. So I'll say mixed reception because he actually hasn't been that bad, but it's just little things like his touch drive people up the wall. Mm. Ryan Gold's okay, but he but he's not very good at dribbling. So hear me out. Oh, no. We can, <laughs> <laughs> we can do a straight trade. Your number ten for our number thirty. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys will be a thousand times better. Um, (laughs) Stop it, Jeff. (laughs) I I think every one of our every you uh, you saw me smiling. I think everybody watching this knew that was coming. Um, Let's uh, let let's do the trifecta. Let's cover everything because I want to ask you this question. I was saving this question Um, off the back of the women's gold medal win. uh, I want to know your opinion. Do you think we are primed for a domestic women's league or do you think NWSL is the way to go? And if so, do you think Vancouver is a good market for an NWSL squad? I have a good question. I want to build off this first because, again, just to plug Darby Magazine, Alex has a very good piece on on Darby Mag and the history. I was waiting for him to plug it, birthday boy, because I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure he that was that was in the chamber. But but go fair, ahead. fair enough. But yeah, mm-hmm. he he does lay out, um, you know, the the history that Vancouver has with the women's game, and it you know it is one of if not colorful, the best. yeah, women's, uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, personally, if, I, if I'll be honest, I'll give my personal opinion, I would have loved to see a league. And it's like, you know, there's this one, someone mentioned it on Twitter, and I've thought about it a lot recently. Arguably, you look at a league like the CPL, great league for what it's been doing for, for the growth of the men's game in the, in the country, and it's been great. Canada had three professional men's team before, and they had zero women's teams. Say they did the same thing with the CPL with the women's league. I feel like that also could have been a, a great opportunity for 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 growing the the women's game. So I think personally, a league would would make a lot of you know it, it would be great uh, just to have say eight teams. 
I mean, in an ideal world, you have a, a just a, a CanPL men's, a CanPL women's working side by side. You, you're kind in of an ideal world, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, you're you're kind of you know you've got coast to coast covered. You've kind of got a a, a blanket broadcast deal because that also is a good thing. Uh, getting exposure, huge, not, huge. It's not, it's one thing to have a league, but it's yeah, you know, it's like the if if there you know if a tree somebody, falls in the forest, yeah, you, somebody you, doing you all that heavy lifting. It. My God, that's it's a <laughs> gift. You can't. It's unimaginable, but. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sure you were getting up to speed there, so go ahead. All good, all good. I, I think, yeah, it's pretty much, in an ideal world, a women's league would be phenomenal. I think, again, with the broadcast deal, all the, the opportunities for, for, for young girls around the country who'd want to play, I'd love that. But I think, realistically, it might be just looking at investors. It, it's hard to pitch to an investor right now. Here, here's an eight-team league go you know go for it and i mean give me money yeah yeah <laughs> personally i think it's a it's a, it's a sort of investment that could pay off but unfortunately we can't ignore the reality that for most investors they like safe investments they're just they're boring that's how it is there's a reason why they're rich because you know you make a hundred safe investments yes you might you know you could you could make more money in one risky investment but investors aren't like that so no, no. i think we might have to start with an nwsl team and or you know or two grow from there and go. Cause I think that's kind of what we saw with MLS. You saw yeah. teams. Okay. White caps are putting 30,000 Toronto are putting 30,000 in seats. Montreal's putting 20,000. Obviously Saputo's a bit smaller. Oh, okay. There's interest for sport in the yep. soccer. Let's make a men's league. And I think for, for a women's league, uh, I think I'd love to see it. And I think it, this country is ready, but if investors aren't willing to invest, okay, let's not wait around for them. Let's at least get something. And I think an NWSL team would be a, a good way to, to, to start with that. I think, for example, I think Vancouver and Toronto are two good markets for that. I'll talk about Vancouver just because I know more about it. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason why if 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 you know BMO Field's kind of been the home of the men's national team the past few years. There's a reason why BC Place has been the home of the women's national team, and that's because they're a huge draw here. Obviously, it helps when right. Christine Sinclair is from you know just the city over here in, in Burnaby. You've got you know Sophie Schmitz from Abbotsford. I think it is Julia Grosso, obviously a new national hero from Burnaby. Jordan Hoytema. You know, it helps yeah. that there's that, that local interest, but there's a strong appetite for the women's game. Back in the day in Swangard, they were pulling in sellouts at Swangard because they were wow. winning titles. I think they had two or three national uh, titles. Obviously, they're playing in the, the top American league at the time, predecessor to the NWSL, the USL Women's League, and they were winning. And there's an appetite for here when Canada comes here. It's an easy 20, 25, 30,000 to, to, to come watch the women's game. And I don't hmm. think there's any reason that would change with an NWSL team in Vancouver. Plus, you can't ignore the fact that the Whitecaps struggling also leaves a lot of disgruntled soccer fans looking to attach themselves to something. And we talked to them, you know, attaching themselves to Pacific. At the same time, a lot of these people live in Vancouver, you know, say, say like myself, and it's a trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not easy. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. It's, it's, it's ex exceedingly difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. either expensive, you know, because you either take a plane or, or the, you know, and the ferry is also not cheap or, you know, you take the bus and that takes all day. There's basically it's hard to get out to the island. But yeah, if you have yeah. an NWSL team in your backyard, a team filled with, say, some local players, imagine, you know, you managed to poach away a, a Christine Sinclair from 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 Portland just for a final, you know, few years just to, to, to really yeah. drive up interest people will come people love the the game here they don't care who you know men's women's and especially with how 
not only with the Whitecaps, their performance, but just also some of the stuff that's gone on with the front office. There's a lot of people that have fallen out of love with that team for some reason or another. And right. if a, you know, an NWSL team came here, had some good players, was really promoting a good community environment, people would show up in, in droves. So I think the Vancouver market, if you're looking at an NWSL team i'd argue i'd say it's arguably the number one market but if not i'm you're convincing me you're definitely convincing me because you're saying (laughs) you're saying disgruntled well you're saying disgruntled vancouver whitecaps fans would embrace them putting money into a women's side i think disgruntled tfc fans would be the complete opposite like wait a second you're starting an entire new club and we still have this and this problems on the roster buy me a center back like so so i uh I, you know, it, it's, it's it's an interesting thing you, you just brought up, and, and I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, despite the organizational failings of Vancouver and the women's side of the game, which I don't want to mm-hmm. get into, but we certainly have to give lip service to. Um, yeah, well, I, I guess mean, it would have the, to be an independent. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, like, if the, mm-hmm. I guess if the Leonard dude sees, if the, the Carefoots and the Mallets, are, are involved in the women's team. No, it would not be a success. And for good yeah. reason, they have, mm-hmm. they for failed in the reason, past, yeah. not only with the women's program departing, but also with many of the issues that cropped up within the, the women's program, obviously it's some true. very traumatizing yeah. stories. So I think exactly. obviously you have to detach your name, but say an in- investor brought in some fresh voices, you know, especially if say, if, if, if Vancouver would embrace, you know, uh, you know, a good, you know, say women's coach, GM owner, you know, triopoly i think vancouver would yeah. be very open to that and if that those are the rest the right voices in place i see no reason why say they were playing at bc place why they wouldn't get 20 plus thousand amazing uh, regularly coming out to watch a, a women's team i think there's absolutely the appetite for it the lo- in the local soccer community and the, the white caps community it, it could easily be done here Perfection. all right well alex Thanks so much for you've been more than generous with your time yeah. today, sir. Yeah, yeah, we've you, had. Uh, I think you might be the longest guest we've ever had. Oh, de- had. most definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we appreciate that. But you were the the perfect guest this week in terms of kind of all of the the headlines in Canadian soccer. So, thank you so much for for taking the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you gonna? Thank you're you. you're coming to town, you legend, aren't you? For for these games, I am gonna be in town for the El Salvador game. Amazing uh, beer, gonna, beer. First rounds on me, buddy. Oh, you're, you're, you're too kind with that. So I'm unfortunately not able to make it for Honduras. I'll be watching uh, on my couch for, for that one. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be at El Salvador. My my goal is to cover it uh, for obviously for Between the Sticks. But uh, if nice. not, hey, you might catch me in the stands and we'll, we'll have a grand old time. I'll be at the game for sure, no nice. matter what. Awesome, what awesome. Looking we'll forward to it. Lovely. Always great hey. to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. man. And keep Absolutely. up the great work, dude. Like, you're killing it right now on your socials. Oh, you're the coverage that you're doing for this country in general is absolutely fantastic and i know how hard you've been working i know where you started so just to see where you're you're going just just keep it up man and you're going going big places um and if you guys haven't followed him on twitter make sure you guys do follow alex on twitter because i promise you won't regret it especially no. if you guys want to grow the game in this country great follow. thanks so much guys you guys are you're the best and appreciate coming on the the show to chat always a pleasure so uh, anytime buddy we'll see we'll you catch soon, you guys yeah. soon Cheers, man. Well, yeah, Alex, always always a great chat. We covered so much ground there in terms of the national team, the White I love it. Now we don't have to talk as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah. We we have very minimal minimal topics left to to discuss. (laughs) Um, I I think I did want to at least – 
talk a little bit between the three of us about uh, the national team, though, just because yes. it is Good. such a big week and there is so much going on. For sure. Um, for me, we, we talked a little bit about the importance of this window. And Jeff, you also said something that I wanted to to build on. You said we've already kind of proven that, you know, these teams should be worried about us. Yes, but, and I think this builds on kind of the theme of this window, I don't think you can, again, the points are big. I don't think you can make any massive step forward in terms of World Cup qualification unless you get points or beat the States because those two home games for me are must win. You have to beat Honduras at home. You have to beat El Salvador at home. We've seen, again, the 8-1 game wouldn't have mattered at all if Mm -hmm. Canada had beat Honduras at home. Such a good point. That window, it wouldn't have. Such no one would have point. cared. We would have lost eight one. Who cares? We're through to the next round. So yeah. you have to win your home games. That's critical. Why would you have to take me back there? I know. Sorry. I know. <laughs> we're, on the, we're on the dawn of a offline <laughs> campaign. We, it always finds a way back there until hopefully soon it won't. But exercise yeah, yeah. those demons, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing is, I also think the United States, and again opposition otherwise i think that's your easiest away date and i know that's a tricky thing maybe panama's slightly easier but playing away in Concacaf in like the the central american regions in terms of the heat in terms different. of the atmosphere you're playing against it's it's different again yeah. i've been told and we know the quality of honduras versus the quality of mexico everyone's and a friend of the show gavin day will tell you this easily that's going to be your most tricky game and the entire yep. San Pedro Sula. And it's just because of the atmosphere and just because they know how to set the opposition yeah. off, no matter yeah. how good you are, no matter how much experience you have playing there. And th- this Canada team doesn't have that much experience playing away in CONCACAF. Well, just- let me let me pose it this way, though, Mitch. Now that we yeah. have no longer people that are on unattached FC, now sure. that we have people overseas that are used to playing in front of really rabid soccer fans. CONCACAF mm-hmm. hits different. We know what Alfonso Davies has done on like some of the biggest stages. You might, I mean, we can all talk about that clip where he absolutely destroys Lionel Messi and goes down the wing and sets up that gorgeous... Like We can all talk about that those moments. Yeah. Do you think that plays a factor there in propelling this Canadian team over the top on those tough away matches? I think it definitely does. Like I do think there's there's something to be said for Again, that experience goes both ways. There's there's the fact that obviously these guys don't know quite what they're getting into, other than the, the few holdovers like the Atiba and Daniel Henry yeah. and, and those yeah. kind of veteran guys. But there's also the fact that they're going in with no fear because they yeah. they don't know what to expect. And they did you guys see the KJ uh, interview with Richie? Man, boy, kids confident. Holy oh, we can tell you that. We can yeah, tell yeah. you that before even yeah, watching yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just saying, what I'm saying is that in terms of Canada proving it at this stage, for me, they've got to win one or two of those away games, and then I will absolutely believe. But that's that's got to come first, and I don't think they really have that opportunity to do that this window. But it's still critical for those home points that they can pick up. And again, if you can get anything against the States, then those are points in the bank that you can carry forward. For sure. For sure. For sure. That's, yeah. A, yeah. that's a good for shout sure. there. It's a pretty it's a pretty good first window if we're being honest. I mean in, in terms of in terms of the opponents, in terms of the location for us, 
uh, in terms of the in terms of the weather that we might see. Um, you know, Nashville Stadium is not a fortress for the U.S. national team. I, is this the first time they've played a competitive match there? Or it's got to be under five. So, you know, they, they, yeah. they're not exactly as experienced as, you know, they, they don't know the, inc- the intricacies of that ground in a way. You know, and again, that I'm not afraid of any lineup that has uh, Josh Sargent <laughs> at the head of the attack. So, so yeah, I, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Um, I'm gonna read. Max I've been screaming that, away. Jeff. I've been screaming that 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 Canada is a dark horse not only to finish third, but I genuinely believe they have a shot at the top two in this group. I mm-hmm. wholeheartedly believe that, and I don't think there's any reason why this team should not qualify. They they have the talent. They have some of the experience. I think this they team have the chemistry. Has to they have the, the brotherhood. I think it's, it's, it's a disappointment if they don't qualify for any. I think it's like a very underwhelming performance if they don't go out there and qualify for the World Cup. I think that's the bare minimum, in my opinion. Even though they I haven't love it. done it, I, I love I, it. I think it is, man. I love it. I mean, Matt. Matt has an interesting point. He says Thursday night's going to be super ugly. It's not going to be free flowing football. It'll be crappy stop start, lots of fouls, diving, and whining. Uh, Honduras will play smash and grab, and we'll be thrilled with a point. My, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that because we have so many weapons. Um, you know, they could go, they can go, they can go full full tilt on Fonzie. Fonzie's shown he's willing to be that fulcrum of their of their attention. And then we've got Tejon or Richie or Kyle or Kava or Junior or Jonathan Oso. David. Or yeah. Jonathan David. I mean, come on, guys. Like, there's only there's only eleven of them on uh, outfield players. Like, I think that's they, a pretty pretty accurate description of I think what we'll see on that match. Like, I, it'll I, be I, literally I, a lot of a lot of fouling. Like, I, I'll tell you that right now. It'll be a really chippy affair. And then um, we've got Steven Eustachio just making worldies from fifty yards out. Like, and they, that's the I, other I, side I, of things. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's Canada just exactly like where where is there Unless they, you know, we could still win on a million PKs, right? Like, I just don't see how they're going to slow us down. Like, he's he's uh, not he's not saying they won't win though. Just just to be clear, yeah, no, 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 he's no, giving no, no. a pretty accurate yeah. description. I think what we'll see, like, it's not going to be free flowing football. I I agree. I think it'll be pretty stop and start and until we until we break their backs and then they're and then they're finished, right? Like, and then it will be free flowing football because we'll have their way with them. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, one of the one of the one of the problems when you park the bus from the get go is that you tire your guys out. There's not a lot of depth in this Honduras squad. Um, you know, if we break their game plan in in the 15th minute, then it's 65 minutes of of free flowing Canada, you know, football. Right? It's weird because what a team! It's weird to even you know to say this sort of thing. It's crazy, but. I just, I, I just don't see. I, I'm looking. I'm very much looking forward to Thursday, guys. I'm, I'm champing at the bit here. If we're being honest, and, and yeah. But yeah. with that being said, like I think the the other side of that is the pressure is definitely on Canada in this game to come out and and 100%. show this new generation in front of their home fans, right? Like Honduras knows that anything in this game is is massive for them. So, um, yeah, again. Again, this is it's a tricky window. It's it's a 
good start for Canada in terms of the, you know, like we said, the fixtures and the opponents, but not nothing is granted and nothing is easy in this round. You know, there's Absolutely no, not. there's no easy game. So um, we're definitely Let probably going to never get to the that on, uh, on Thursday. Yeah. Let us never get to the point like the, our neighbors down south where we don't respect any of our opponents or, or own up yeah. to our own failings. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It must be it, – it doesn't even seem like a fun attitude on the outside looking in to be that obtuse, right? So so let us, let us forever counter our bluster with a little bit of that Canadian humility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to see us railroad these guys. <laughs> I want souls. I want to take some skulls this this window. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, here here's a question I got for you. Uh, uh, does Tejon start over Richie? Uh, that's honestly for me. And I, I know we were talking about Tejon, and I know you made your your prediction there, Michael, that that Tejon's going to have an absolute breakout window. Um, which, which you know, I don't think I necessarily disagree with, but I think that's the million dollar question in this Canadian in this Canadian roster. Because I think we're no longer talking about it. whether Alfonso starts in the winger or on the, as a yeah. wing back. Now it's now it's the right side we have to deal with. So yeah, I think most of it is pretty set in stone, considering the success they had with that three at the back at the Gold Cup. I, I would imagine you stick with that. And then it gets super tricky again on that right side because Richie's the more natural player there. But with that being said, I think, look, we've been having this conversation about both form and about both of these players and their potential to go to Europe. One of them is in Europe now, technically. He's on loan back to New England. But look, as much as I love Richie Larea, Tejon Buchanan's just so much better than it's Richie not even, It's not <laughs> like, even close. Not even in the same stratosphere, man. Like, right. Tejon Buchanan is so much better than Richie Larea right now. I said it yeah, a couple weeks especially back right on now, the show. Too, mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it a couple weeks back on the show. He's a better version of Richie Larea. He's also what three, four years young, like, like younger than Richie. Like the How sky is the Tejon? limit. Rich, Richie's twenty-two. Richie's, Richie's still twenty-four years old, man. Hmm. Okay. Like, no, he's, still, he's, he's older than that. He's older than that. Yeah, I, I think, think he's older than that. Okay. Yeah. No, I, no, I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll no. double check it. But he's twenty-six. Oh, he's 26? Yeah, he's 26, okay. yeah. Right. So, right. yeah, man, like, and we, we heard John Herman talk about it, like, before Alfonso Davies went down. That's who he was planning on originally lining up last window. And then Tejon Buchanan had his whole breakout campaign at the Gold Cup. And there's no way, there's no way you take that guy out of the lineup. That guy is, again, I, I believe he's going to be one of the best players, one of the most important players on this team. He's shown that he can be super annoying to play against. Like mm-hmm. Tejon Buchanan tracking back, like he is, he's a really good defender. He he doesn't jump in too often. He uses his frame, his body well. He isn't afraid to to back down from anyone. Same with Richie Larea, but I think yeah. Tejon Buchanan's stature is a little bit more and his ability going forward. Yes, Richie's good at it for a fullback, but Tejon yeah. Buchanan's good at going forward for a winger. Yep. So you combine all those assets, there's no chance, I, I think, that Richie Larea starts over Tejan Buchanan here. And you know, well, they start kind of one of the games. The, the beauty, too, yeah. is that you have, yeah, yeah, and of course, I do think we'll see some rotation because mm-hmm. you have to when you're playing three games in, yeah, 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 in a week. And, whatever, and yeah, when you yeah. have that, like the squad that John Herdman has, like, why not rotate some yeah. of the yeah. players? Like, there, there is, um, 
you know, definitely the ability and you, you're not going to see a huge drop off in, in a lot of those positions. If you substitute a player in, I think it also is a massive positive that you've Alistair Johnson now slotted to start on that right side so of center back because yeah. he knows what, you know, he, he knows what Tejan's supposed to be doing and he can constantly throughout the game, remind him of where he should be on the field, what he should be doing and keep him in check and fill in for him when, you know, Canada needs someone to cover Same on with that Richie right Lurea. side. Yeah, like he oh, does absolutely. that for Richie yeah. too. Like we've yeah. seen that so often where yeah. he picks up, as you said there, Mitch, like picks up on those gaps and he's ahead there at times. And his pace yeah. is also so useful in, in a back three, along with Kamal Miller, who shout out again, oh, another pivotal piece of that, that back three. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful story that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I complimented John Herman on this a couple of shows back. It's just finding those two pieces to go along in there, but your back three has been so crucial. They can keep possessions if they want to open up wide, push the wing backs up. Yeah, it's just it's right now they're in synergy, and I'm excited to see them build off what was a you know a successful 2021 so far. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Atiba to... we see as a super sub. He, I don't know if he starts. Maybe the American game he starts. Um, and an interesting shout about Alistair Johnson is his home ground is. Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah. Better, He's gonna be better get that start. You better sure. get secret secret weapon because he knows that pitch better than maybe some of the guys on the on the American squad. So mm-hmm. I'd say he's one of the few players that starts all three games. Like there's only like yeah. maybe five wow. players on the team that starts all three games. I say Alistair Johnson has has grown into one of those players. Mm-hmm. Obviously Alfon- Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. uh Jonathan David. You just mm-hmm. you can't take those guys out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Kyle Aaron, depending yeah. on who else is healthy. Probably, and Zach then I don't Sakio, know. Yeah, I, with it with the Tiba back, I don't know if Zaku starts. Fair point. Match. Fair yeah. point. And, and that midfield, you got to get you got to get Mitch's boy Sammy P some minutes. <laughs> got to get Oso some minutes. Uh, I think Sammy P will be. You know, he's he's kind of faded off a little bit in terms of what how crucial he is to this national team. He can play a specific role. You know, if they're pre- protecting a lead, Sammy P comes in and he's absolutely magnificent. Get, get bulldog, bulldog, full tuck out there. But I think he's actually in tough. He's going to be in tough to get like a steady run of play here just because we're that deep again. Like no. we're not even talking about Mark Anthony K at all. Yeah. Like Jonathan Osorio, obviously. And, you know, Junior Hoylet, your boy there. Like, there's a oh, lot boy. of depth, depth there at midfield. And Liam Frazier made the squad too. Similar True type enough. of player. Yep. It's a it's a good problem to have, guys. It's, it's you a know, great problem they, to have. As we mentioned, mm. they'll need to rotate that squad. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one thing I wanted to pick up, kind of, because we were in in that vein about Alistair Johnson. He was uh, on friend of the show, Devang Desai's a uh, football pod. Good interview. Yeah. About, yeah, great interview. Uh, Alistair Johnson, always a great interview. He's so well-spoken. Yeah. Yeah. If you I want to come it. on the show, Alistair, we'll have yeah. you any time. But yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was chatting about kind of confidence levels and coming out of Canada camp. And he was saying that his coach in Nashville, every time he comes back from Canada camp, is always like, you're a better player now. Like, you're so much more confident <laughs> on the ball, everything. And I do oh, you love to like, hear it. Yeah, that's. Well, I mean, that's critical for so many reasons because, one, national team – or they'll keep sending their players to the national team if they're coming back better. But I, I, that's really something that honestly, John Herdman's raised the level of so many players. Kamal Miller, you can talk about like just the, I I don't know what he does, but his ability to speak confidence into these players, 
um, is is incredible and, and it's it something really is. that is really he's also setting them up to succeed too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right? He, and he, then once he's, the inertia really catches found, up, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's really found those positions for both Kamal Miller and Alistair and Alistair Johnson. Like mm-hmm. you see yep. in Montreal's reverted to doing the same thing now because I don't know if that's the exact reason, but it's it's worked with the national team. That's how you get the best out of Kamal Miller. Yep. So as you're saying that Mitch bang on credit to John Herman again, because as you mentioned, it's so important to, to maintain that positive environment for your national team. Cause you'll just keep sending your players back there. Like, Oh, so I'll even throw in there as well. Like he's always performing really well with that national team. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even when he's, even when he's uh, struggling with the, with the domestic side, he's always, he's always another 20%. He finds another gear when he suits up for the Canadian men's national team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll we'll blow the full time whistle there. We've covered so many different topics on this week's show, um, especially you know with Alex Gongay-Luzik doing some heavy lifting this week. Really appreciate him taking the extra time to to go over you know Pacific and the Whitecaps and the national team and and all those things. You can you can find his work as we said at BTS Van City um, for all all your West Coast uh, news that you need. Thanks, of course, yep. to Kevin, Sophia, and Edwin for. For everything they do um huge thank you of course to all of you of listening again hope to see you out at uh at bmo field this week hope to see some of you at the darby mag launch yeah absolutely gonna be great to be together again um you know obviously oh wait what was what's the what's the word of the day now i forget uh all this thing what Bet now it's gonna be a bender it's gonna be a bender Yeah, we're yeah, of course, forever appreciative of all the support and love you guys give the show and and our various other projects. So until next Tuesday, cheers, guys.